This morning we're in a brand new series, and I will be handing out these envelopes uh, afterwards because I'm going to ask you guys to help me in this series. Now, these envelopes say Faith Harvest on one side, so they've already been kind of used. We were using them as uh, tithing envelopes until we got the real ones. So it's okay if you write something on the back, and that's what I'm going to want you to do. I'm going to want you to write something on the back, and you'll see what as we get into the series. So this morning, I want to introduce you to the series. It's called The Blank I Carry. Now, you may have heard some form of this message given as baggage or some other way of stating it. But simply put, it's the weight of the things that we carry in life. And so we're kind of going to go through some of these things and see uh, what the Bible says about it. I wanted to start this morning by giving you guys an example. Um, A couple of years ago, I was sitting at a Celebrate Recovery meeting. We were discussing some of the burdens that we carry through life. There was a story that had been told over the radio that I related with these guys that were in Celebrate Recovery. For those of you who aren't familiar, Celebrate Recovery is for those who are overcoming addiction or hurt of any kind. Uh, It could be divorce, it could be the death of a loved one, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be anything that they need help with. Uh, And we were there just kind of sitting in and listening and sharing because we've all struggled with something in life. And I related to them the story of an Alaskan tribe of native Alaskans. When you reached the age of 15 or 16, you were given a backpack, okay? And so that backpack went everywhere with you. And as your community members observed you in public and they saw you do something wrong, either illegal or immoral, then they were obliged to place a rock in your backpack. And if they saw you do something good, they were obliged to take one out. And so as they grew into adulthood, these members of this tribe would carry this backpack with them as a reminder of all the good and the bad that they had done. And sometimes the weight would be unbearable because I don't know how much you know about the life of a native Alaskan, but it's not the easiest life. They live in harsh conditions, and there's a lot of poverty. Uh, There's uh, rampant alcoholism and drug abuse there. And so more often than not, there were backpacks so full of rocks that the people could barely carry them. And it's with that in mind that I want us to go into this series of the blank that I carry, because often life is like that. Often life feels as though we can no longer bear the burden that we are carrying. So I want us to start in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 28. These are the words of Jesus. And there are no better words, no sweeter words that could ever be spoken to you. It says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And we all carry something. So let me ask you, how many of you have experienced in life the easy burden, the lightness of the the yoke of Jesus? It feels that way, right? No, no hands? I didn't think I'd see any this morning. I didn't even raise mine. I mean, that just goes to show you. We all have some heavy things that weigh down on us. So why then would Jesus give us this promise that if we come to him, our burdens would be light and the yoke would be easy? 
but yet we don't experience that in our day-to-day lives. Because see, in John chapter 8, the Bible says, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. So again, that posits the question, why do we have all these heavy burdens? Could it be that we refuse to let them go? Could it be that it is indeed that backpack, if you will, that we're not quite ready to graduate from underneath? Because, see, some of these things that we carry with us, we're comfortable with. We enjoy them sometimes. It's only when we don't enjoy them that they seem to be a burden to us. Now, there are a lot of things that people carry, and so that's what these are for. I want you guys to fill in the blank, okay? Don't have to put your name on it. I don't want to know who's struggling with what unless you feel like you need to talk to me about it, okay? But when I said the blank I carry and I explained it to you, immediately something popped into your mind. Something that is a burden to you came to mind instantly. And when it did, that's what I want you to write down. Like I said, no names, no identifying. Don't put your phone number on it. Don't ask me to text you about it. Talk to me about it later if you want to. But this simply is for we're going to fill in the blanks over the next several weeks. Okay? Now, I went ahead and took the liberty of beginning with mine. And it's not just mine. It's actually very common. Uh, And I've spoken on it before, but I felt like it was pertinent this morning. And so we were going to start with this one. It's not an easy one for me, so you guys will have to bear with me. For me, the blank I carry is my pride. Okay, My child is laughing in the back row because she understands that I will often tell you guys that I am perfect except for my humility, which is just over and abundantly more than it should be, and so that's my only fault. Um, but we all know better, or at least some of us know better. But pride can be a very dangerous thing, and pride is the source of all offense in this life. Whether we're willing to admit it or not, it is our wounded pride that causes us to be offended. Whether it's over our children, whether it's over our job, our house, whatever it is that we have placed our pride in, that is what we can be very easily offended by. It is also the source of all conflict. From my two kids arguing last night about whether or not somebody getting an aquarium built was in Canada or not, And see, right there, there's that pride speaking its little head up. I was right. All the way to the world wars. If you look at it, the root cause was pride. I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm faster, I'm better, I'm stronger, smarter. All of these things are things that pride say. But why would pride be such a heavy load? Pride is a heavy load because it puts yourself before God. And it puts yourself before others. That's kind of contrary to what the Word tells us in Matthew 22 where he says the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is like it, love others as you love yourself. But pride says, yes, I can love others, but I'm going to love me more. I'm going to care about me more. I'm going to do more for me than I would do for anybody else. Right, because they wouldn't do it for me. And then we get into a comparative battle there. But one of the main reasons that pride is such a heavy load to bear is because you have to build yourself up in order to live up to that standard that you've set. And then you have to maintain that, okay? And it's not always easy to maintain a level of expectation that you set for yourself. And so 
then what do we resort to? Pride often magnifies the faults in other people to justify itself. And you often see that reflected in statements like you always or you never. I preach against those a lot. But we're very quick to find those things that we don't like about ourselves in other people and pick at them. And that's why we're better than them. Because their version of our sin is so horrible that we would never stoop to that level. But as a Christian, one of the reasons that pride seems like such a heavy load to bear is because it separates us from God. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then if you flip over to James chapter 4, it says this. Therefore it said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we see in that that God and pride cannot be in the same place. And so if we are carrying our pride, then we are opposed to God. Not only that, but he is opposed to us. That makes us his enemy. And as a Christian, that's a hard fact to live with because we say we love God and we say we claim the name of Jesus, and yet we have allowed our pride to keep us separate from him. Pride is very quick to look for my rights, also just as quick to overlook my responsibilities. It very much says me, me, me for as far as I want me to go, but never gives any credence to the fact that we are to treat each other with respect. Now, there are several types of pride, and we've been through them before, but I just kind of wanted to name a few because sometimes we don't even realize it's our pride that's holding us down. It could be something as simple as refusing help. I got this. I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I don't need anybody else's help. It'll just to get in the way. It's just the interference. I don't need anybody. And when you get to a point in your life when you say, I don't need anybody, that includes God. Because if you can handle it all by yourself, then you don't need him. Second form of pride was on display in my living room last night is being unwilling to lose an argument. When your need to be right overcomes the compassion in your heart for others, that is a huge symptom that you have a pride problem. Because obviously you're infallible, right? I mean, you have never been wrong about anything in your life. Anybody like that here? Just the two of us, me and Dom? No? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like pride to me. Um, and that is something that I struggle with. I'm, I don't often consider myself wrong. I'll just be honest about it. Um, there are, my wife will be the first to tell you, there are lots of useless, random, trivial facts in my mind. And I can recall them fairly quickly. And so I usually have an opinion on every subject. And it's usually based on those random bits of trivia that I know to be fact. And so in my mind, if those random bits of trivia are fact and my opinion is based on that, then therefore my opinion must be fact as well. And if it's a fact, then it can't be wrong, right? Just give you a little bit of into my thought process here. But being unwilling to lose an argument is a huge symptom of pride because it says I'm more important. Even when I know I'm wrong, I still will not usually concede an argument. I will play devil's advocate and argue the wrong point as hard as I can for as long as I can, even with evidence staring me in the face. I don't know anybody else like that in here. I, I won't look because somebody will say I'm accusing them of it. 
But we all have a little bit of that. We all have a little bit of stubbornness that says, doggone it, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to my grave being wrong about this because I'm right. Because that chip on my shoulder has grown and grown and grown to the place that I can't turn my neck. I can't turn my head any other way than the way I'm looking because it's become so stiff. <laughs> Something that goes right along with that, and I'm definitely not looking up right now, needing to have the last word of an argument, even if it means grumbling it as you walk away from the person you were fighting with. A lot of fingers being pointed in this congregation this morning. <laughs> but again, these are things that, that happen in my life. I am want to have the last word um, when it comes to a disagreement, even if it's something to try and shut off the disagreement by saying, we'll just agree to disagree. Okay? And part of that is my pride saying they're assaulting your intelligence. They think they're smarter than you. You've got to prove them wrong. Now, I'm sure the collective IQ in this room is smarter than me. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. You know, there's, there's some that are adding to and some that are taken away. And um, I'm just saying. No, no. I mean the collective. Add it all together. Might be a few points higher than mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and see, that's where my pride gets the, better, the best of me uh, is that Often, and this is not a slam or a slant or shade towards anybody in this room, but often I do feel as if I am the smartest person in the room. I, you know, rightly or wrongly, that, that is my pride, and that is something I struggle with. And I, I didn't say that to be funny. I said that because I'm trying to be transparent with you guys. That doesn't mean that I think when I walk into a room, look at this bunch of dummies, by no means. But often in my life experience, that has been the case. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but needing the last word in the argument says I'm the smartest and I'm the authority. You're not allowed to say anything else because I've already laid down the law. And that's a matter of pride sometimes. There is a time and a place when the authority that has been appointed by God should be followed. Well, if it's appointed by God, it should always be followed. Let me, let me say that. But if a person is acting rightly in accordance with the authority that has been granted them by God, then that is not a matter of pride, okay? When you buck up against that is where the pride shows up. One of the last ways, um, I've already kind of mentioned this before, that pride rears its ugly head in our lives is that we refuse to remove obstacles, obvious obstacles in our walk with God. These are things that we consider little sins. They're, little, they're the white lies, you know, they're the snatching a couple of grapes off out of the bag at Bilo. It's um, walking out of the store and realizing that you didn't pay for that extra pair of socks and just getting in the car and going. Because, see, those, uh, that didn't kill anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. That store's got insurance. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll rectify their inventory, and they'll never even miss it. We justify those things. But those are obstacles in the path that God has laid before us. And those are simple things, but we often overlook them. Some of us have some very glaring obstacles in our path with God. And when we've gotten up to them, instead of asking God to move them and remove them from our life, we've gotten down and worshipped them. We've let them, those obstacles, those things that we just can't seem to do without, become who we are. They define us. Our society is like that. We are defined by what we do 
or how much money we have or many other things what you know and that is where we find our value and where we find our worth and when someone tries to take what we find our value in away from us then we're ready to fight right because that's a source of pride for us that is who we are because we found who we are in things instead of in the creator or in other people that's a big one there are people in each and every one of our lives that we know should not be in our lives at this moment. They're leading us down a wrong path. They are teaching us the wrong things. They are reinforcing the wrong attitudes. But we refuse to let them go because we like them. They're fun. They build us up. Whatever the excuse may be, it all boils back down to our pride because I know better than God does what's good for me. You know, the weight of pride can make you bow over, make you fall down even. And it's no wonder that the Word says that pride comes before a fall. And too often, we have to get to that point that we have completely fallen flat on our face before we're able to release that pride from our lives. I can't tell you how many families I have come into contact with who have lost everything working in the school that I used to work in. To the point that they're living in their car, um, they're collecting the food boxes we give out every month. But the children show up in brand new Air Jordans and their apostle clothes and gold chains and the newest cell phone because it's all about appearance. I had a man tell me one time, he was actually a boy when I was a teenager, um, he drove the nicest car in town. I mean, it was completely tricked out, had the best sound system in it, best rims. But when I would go to his house, there were holes in the floor, and there was no power. And the water was a hand pump where they had dug a well with shovels. It was about 30 feet deep. I would ask him, why do you put all this money into your car and not try to take care of home? And he says, well, people have to see me in my car, but I don't ever have to bring them home. So as long as they see me out in public and I'm all glitz and flash, it's okay even if home is rotten. He had a problem with pride. And it was so bad that he was willing to let home be rotten. Now, I will tell you, I struggle with pride, but I would hope that I don't allow my pride to let my home be rotten. But it can, and it has, and it will for some of us. If we go back to our theme verse in Matthew 11, it says to take his yoke because his burden is light. And so you say, okay, well, I carry all these things, Jason. How do I give them to him? He's not physically here for me to hand them off. He can't come over and take my backpack off my back that's full of rocks. But he can, because if you allow him to do it spiritually, it will release you physically. That's what it means in James when it says, when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. It means you are truly free from all the things that would weigh you down. And that's why his burden can seem so light. He tells you what he expects. Love God, love people. Everything hinges on those two things. All the law, all the prophets, everything that's in the Old Testament hinges on those two things. Love God, love people. And don't love them when they're lovable. Don't love them when you feel like it. Don't, feel like, don't love them when it's easy. Because he doesn't say love them when it's easy. He says love those who persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. Bless those that curse you. That's a love that we in and of ourselves could never have and that's why he loves them through us 
It is a supernatural love that is only provided through a relationship with him that causes us to be able to love people like we love ourselves. If we don't take anything else away from this series, I want us to remember this. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to discuss what you guys write on these envelopes. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Too often, people I know personally, close family members, have told me that the church is all about rules and don'ts, and God is a God of no. And you can't this, and don't have that, and don't be that way. And all you hear is don't know and stop. But the word is very clear that where Jesus is, there's freedom. And when we can see that his relationship with us is a place of safety, not a place of condemnation, not a place of killjoy, because I've literally had a family member look me in the face and say, all the church is about is telling me I can't have fun in life, and I want to have fun, because when I die, there's nothing else. Well, in saying I want to have fun, because when I die, there's nothing else, I will say this, she's wrong. Because in the end, when you die, you will stand before God as judge, and you will answer for every decision you've made in life, good or bad. I know there's not a scale up there that says if your good outweighs your bad, you get to come into heaven because our good could never outweigh our bad, ever. That's why we need the good, the righteousness to outweigh it. That's why he's the only way. And your pride will stand in the way of a relationship. You can claim his name in vain and still live a prideful life. Or you can die to yourself daily, pick up your cross and follow him. That's the other theme verse for this series. It says, die to yourself daily, pick up your cross, and follow him. And so if we're going to have to carry something, because we're all going to have to carry something, even in Matthew 11, he says, take my yoke, learn from me. That yoke is not a burden, but it is a way to guide us. And I'm familiar you guys are with a horse-drawn carriage. Um, but in this description, um, it is... The way in which when you pull the reins, it'll, it tells the horse which way to go. And that's what he's saying here. Allow me to guide your life. Okay? Carry my mark and allow me to guide your life. And that starts by killing your pride. That's what I got for today. I really hope you guys will help me out. Believe me, I've got a whole list of the blank that I carry of things that we can talk about. So if you don't help me out, I'll just have to do it on my own. But I really want to make it personal for you guys. I, I want to be able to help you. Just like on the fourth Wednesday night where we do the ask it for things that you may have questions about. Um, I want this one, this sermon series, to be yours. I want it to mean something to you. Not just in generalities, not just me always telling my story, but for it to resonate with you because it speaks directly to where you would fill in the blank. Now, it's not going to be easy. Because, you know, we can, we can be trite and we can write down something real quick and just be like, mm, you know, that, that'll work. It's going to require some soul search. It's going to require you to actually examine yourself a little bit, to dig down deep in some of those places that you're not always happy to have to expose to people. And that's why it's anonymous, okay? I won't show these to anybody. This will just be for me. That way nobody can recognize your handwriting, whatever you... Whatever way that could make it identifiable, it'll just be to me, and I don't know any of y'all's handwriting, so it's good. 
But I really want you guys to take some time and think about it. Not just those everyday struggles, but I want this to be that, that one thing, whether it's been your whole life or whether it's had the most impact in your life, that the thing I carry, okay? You can just write it on the back. You ain't got to write it right now. You don't have to give it to me today. Just make sure it gets to me. As long as I get one by Wednesday, we're good. If I don't get one by next Sunday, I got the next one lined up. And it'll resonate with everybody, I'm sure. All right. So the next time you find yourself in the middle of an argument with somebody, remember, that's your pride speaking. And as Christians, we're called to kill that every day. Yes, it's hard. And yes, you want to have the last word. And yes, you are smarter than that person you're arguing with. And yes, you are right until you're not. And when it comes to battling pride, here's what you have to remember. I can let my pride rule my life. And I can be right, and I can be smart, and I can get the last word. And then pride is the God of my life. Or I can tell pride to shut up because it talks in the back of your mind. It's that voice that sounds just like you. You can tell it to shut up and say, this relationship is more important than me being right right now. And if all of us, I don't just mean the people sitting here, but if all of us could grasp that concept, we might actually have peace in our homes, in our work, in our schools, in our country. Anyway, that's just me talking.